cash only. You know what they do with their taxes in a place like this. Yeah, oh yeah. As we sit here telling stories till it's quarter after three, the details are so gory, but that's how they're supposed to be. And this waiter must be wondering if we're ever gonna leave. So, two Korean guys walk into a diner. I don't have a punchline for that setup, but I do have a very interesting conversation to share with you on episode nine of Talking at the Diner. Annyeonghaseyo! I'm your host, John Kim Fay, and my guest today is one of my favorite songwriters and vocalists in the Philly music scene, Judah Kim. Yes, he's a Kim too, so maybe we're related. Who knows? Anyway, Judah and I recently hit up the Penn Restaurant in Orland, Pennsylvania, a blink-and-you'll-miss-it establishment that just so happens to be down the street from Forge Recording, where we both have done our share of projects. Judah is currently working with my good pal, Ron Silvestro having Ron mix an ambitious collection of singles that Judah is releasing at the breakneck pace of one a month. Just this year, he's put out killer songs like Right Where We Belong, Backdoor, and this brand new gem called Hey There Kids. As you can hear, Judah's singing style blends a number of vocal influences into something that is uniquely his own. And much like my own voice can sometimes be the unwitting cause of um, uh, confusion, discord, uh, befuddlement, <laughs> uh, he's had his share of encounters with people who have a little trouble wrapping their heads around the combination of what they're hearing and what they're seeing. Take that from a guy who just last night was called My Asian Tom Petty by a woman who saw me sing American Girl a few weeks ago at a benefit show in Delaware. Um, Judah and I dive pretty deep into our upbringings, how race has played into how we're perceived as artists, and how he's able to pack away pancakes, sausage, and four eggs in one sitting and maintain that svelte physique of his. But before I drop the needle on this great conversation, I want to take a moment to thank the supporters of my Patreon, without whom this podcast and many of my other creative projects would not be possible. I have a bunch of new songs of my own in the pipeline that I'm finally able to send off to mastering because of this support, and I'm also able to report that my memoir has been fully edited, and I'm this close to sending it off to the typesetter, which is just one step away from sending it off to the printer. So thank you for all this incredible support. And if you like the podcast or would like to support me in my creative pursuits, please visit my Patreon at patreon.com slash John Kim Fay. And also drop by my main website, johnfay.com, for show updates, merch, and uh, one-stop access to my three-decade music career on streaming platforms and all of my official music videos, too, in one place. I make it easy for you if you're uh, looking to do a deep dive. Anywho, let's get right to it. This is me and Judah Kim putting everything on the table on today's episode of Talking at the Diner. And everything is on the table when we're talking at the diner. Excuse me. No, you're good. Almost colliding with people already. Yeah. Uh. 
Oh. I know what I want already. You already know? Yes, yes. Oh my God. So you're a regular. Here. Yeah, well, you sit. What is, what is it that you get? Uh, usually some the breakfast food is just really good. I always judge a diner by just how good they make their pancakes, and their pancakes are really good. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, just, it's nothing fancy. So what do you do? You just get, like, a stack of hotcakes? And... I, will, I usually get a short stack with sausage, and then I'll get some eggs and toast. You are. Oh. Double carbs. I like I'm, that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. I, I don't like think I was going to. I've never seen I really like so many a, creams in a I coffee. I really people. like a very oh, almost Lord. coffee ice cream flavored <laughs> coffee. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Judah. Um, I'll get a short stack with sausage, please. And then I'll get uh, four over easy eggs with white toast. Yeah, a bit of, that's it. Uh, I would like a short stack as well. Could I get bacon well done with that? And I'll take two sunny side up eggs. Do you want any toast on the side with your eggs? No toast, please. Bacon. All right, this is getting to the, the top of the cup, so I guess this will... Uh, so you like coffee-flavored cream, basically. I like my sugar with coffee and cream, as the Beastie Boys would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually don't, I really only drink coffee when I'm at a diner. And I think it's more of a social thing. It's like, oh, okay. this is my having a beer at the bar. Because I don't do that at all. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Interesting. But I do, you know, coffee just goes great with breakfast stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know. Ah, delicious. We okay. That's the test. <laughs> yes. Um, but I would I would just like to just kind of before we go any further, uh, start this with like an amends, if you will. I um, you know I don't I think it was probably back in 2009 or so where I was probably really drunk out of my mind and high on pills and stuff. Oh my goodness. I think it was Dewey Beach Music Conference and I think that's when I said something really probably crazy towards you and um, in that state. Um, you know what, man? I, I don't know if it was that, that at that specific show or whatever it was, but all I know is that that, that, that something happened and it probably stemmed from some sort of extreme jealousy, insecurity thing that I was going through at the time. And then I still struggle with it just as a mental health thing, you know? Um, but, you know, part of, I've been sober for like nine years now and part of the process is making amends and doing step nines to people. And I'm glad that you actually, because I'm glad that for one, that you reached out to me online just to, you know, being following me on Insta and then just yeah. kind of developing a relationship that way. And then I was, I wanted to do this face to face with you instead of just messaging you something. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I have to be honest with you, man. Like I've had so many encounters that might fall under the umbrella of what you're describing <laughs> that um, I don't recall it. Recall rock and roll. So okay. But thank you for mm -hmm. for saying that. Okay. I appreciate it. Sure. I've been sort of like following your trajectory from afar for mm -hmm. a lot of years. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a lot going on in how I view you. You're a great musician. You're an Thanks. incredible singer. Thank you. You're. Let's let's just say it. We're both Asian musicians. Mm -hmm. I think we've had a lot of similar experiences. But there's also that piece which you might feel too. It's like how how much room is there for more than one of this? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know. And so is this guy <clears throat> my competitor or is he my kindred? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the past like year or two, like it's been completely on the kindred side. Yeah, but when yeah. I first met you or first saw you guys, because I, I think it was uh, Stone Throne. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys were like so badass. <laughs> and your on stage attitude, and, and maybe even off stage. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was very. Just very rock and roll, mm -hmm. you know. I think your brother was in the band with you. Yeah, he projected a very rock and roll mm -hmm. image as well. Yeah, for sure. And um, 
I can find that intimidating in people because yeah. I'm like not rock and roll. <laughs> Parts of me are, but in terms of exuding that kind of confidence, mm-hmm. that's not me. It's yeah, never yeah, yeah. me. And I would like to know how you got that. That I mean, that I would I, be. It's funny because love to hear uh, it's the, funny the that it came off to you that way. If that if that's how you saw it, because I, I, it was for me. It's I look back at that with just I was very insecure and very arrogant, and that you know I dealt with my insecurity through arrogance. You know, like that kind of thing. It's, a, it's, it's just a youth thing. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt a very large age gap between the two of us. I don't know how old you are, but like I will I never tell anyone. <laughs> never, never ask a lady <laughs> or another musician I mean well I'll I'll, I'll just say this um, I wonder if they have a senior discount here maybe I should ask <laughs> I don't know if I told you I think you'd be surprised but well we probably both share a certain genetic uh, yeah, youth thing, retaining right? <laughs> gene <laughs> You're a Kim too, right? I am. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what your uh, your Kim clan is? You know, so my mother, who was a first generation immigrant, she came here in I want to say '62 or '3. By the time I was born, and, and I have three half sisters who are much older than I am. Um, the attitude in our household, especially, I mean, my, my father was Irish. He passed away early on in my life. So it was just me, my mom, my sisters. It was a very assimilationist household. So therefore, um, I didn't really hear a ton about my Korean heritage un, unless I really focused on it. I mean, she spoke Korean. She cursed at me in Korean. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're Americans. You know, I never learned Korean. I don't know if you speak it. Um, I read and write it. Well, that's incredible. <laughs> I could teach it to you in an hour. It's very easy. <laughs> in an hour. It's very easy. Okay. Like, there, it's... Korean, Korean is so limited. Like, and you, I'm sure you know, there's no, like, F sound, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, or Z sound. There's just sounds that, that don't exist. Um, there's a lot of flemmy sounds. <laughs> Fine. Well, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. Um, I assume you've been to H Mart. Yeah. And, you know, like, one of my... One of my favorite things is to to go eat at the food court and just listen to what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. That's a lot lot more non-Korean people now, but like when I first started going there, especially in the in the couple of years after my mom passed away in 2012, like I was there all the time just because I wanted to hear that sound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you know, for what it's worth, I mean, I can distinguish somebody speaking Korean uh, versus any other Asian language. So there's something about you know those sounds <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. that sticks with you. Did she? Did she make Korean food for you too? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, she she made all the, the staples. Mm-hmm. You know, made her own kimchi. That's great. Buried it. The whole thing. That's awesome. You know, about your your upbringing. Yeah, my, I mean, so my 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 father is North Korean, so he escaped when he was very young. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, right? He said he escaped with like a school teacher of his, and he met my mom when he was in South Korea, and so I'm like 50-50. North Korean, North South. South. Korean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a um, Romeo and Juliet story. It huh? kind of is. It really is because my dad was a bit older than my mom at the time, and my mom's parents didn't approve. So they. Well, let me ask you this: Do Korean parents ever approve no, the first time? No, not, not really. Right. So it's like. Plus, my dad was like, he was such a dr- he was a dreamer in that he was like touched by the Lord, if you will. So okay. he was like, I, I have this mission to be, you know, um, a preacher. And my mom's like, dad was, like in, in the Christian sense. Yeah. Okay. And so like my mom's my mom's dad was just like not feeling that. Like this this guy is a great man, but like he's just not going to provide, you know, kind of thing. You know what I mean? But so they eloped. Oh, they eloped. Wow. They had like. 
they got married, and they had my my sister was born via like a midwife. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. It's it's crazy. And then, you know, they had two more children, two of my sisters, and then they they ran off to America with like no English. My father studied English, so he knew it intellectually, but he didn't really, you know, he couldn't really. And that's kind of the that's kind of how they were. My dad was very intellectual, sort of. My mom was very like she couldn't understand it intellectually, but she could actually communicate with people better. And that's gotcha. still the fact towards this day. Interesting. When did they come to America? It was like the 70s or so. Okay, right on. Somehow, it, they bounced from it was going to be Alaska and then California, and then it was it ended up being Philly because for some reason. I, I, I think my mom was just like, I'm not having I'm going to I'm doing this in Philly. I did a podcast with her, and she tells the whole journey. It's 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 pretty awesome. Oh, it's that's really great. amazing. Yeah. So cool to get those stories. Mm-hmm. You know, like I found out more about my mom's story after she died, and talking to my sisters for the book that I am still working on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just such an eye-opening thing. It just she was born like 10 years into the occupation, mm-hmm. Japanese occupation. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because you, like, you grow up and you don't know the backstory. And you're like, you know, what's her problem with Japanese people? Yeah, I know. Right? Like, it's, uh, it's an old Korean thing. Really, right? like, uh, my mom's anti. This, my mom to this day is like, I don't like sushi anyway. I'm like, you just don't like Japanese people. <laughs> Well, and then you find out some of the shit that went down, and yeah, you're like, oh, no. well, I guess it's understandable, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But, man, what a life. Yeah, my know. mom's earliest memory, she told me, was when she was five, and she was literally running away from her home because it was the whole town was being bombed or something. Yeah. It, yeah. Isn't that what was my mom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... If it wasn't the Japanese, then it was like the North versus South thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some really horrible stuff went went on. And it's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. You know, like how does a person process those experiences? Then go to a whole different country, learn a new language, establish a life, raise a family. In, in my mom's case, on her own. It's really incredible. It's I very mean, incredible. It's just a. It's something that like I, I feel like I've been living out of the shadow my whole life, like trying to, you know, if I can accomplish half of that, I'd be, you know, proud it of is a <laughs> definitely a feeling of big shoes to fill. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, and uh, yeah, and I just try to play music and write songs. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you ever get that feeling? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, it's like I didn't get enough streams today. It's like, well, damn you! Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. What it was. Right. Yeah. How was your familial like support system for the decision to be a musician? Was there any pushback or? I'm sure there was worry and concern. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 let me put it to you like this. My, so I come from eight kids. So that's a lot. So that's another layer of just like, oh my God, how did you do this with like no money, no English, and you kept having children and you know, like, kept make, popping them out, making it harder, right? <laughs> so as like my sisters, I think they were harder on my sisters. Because they were, they were first. They were oh yeah, the, the oldest kids always get it. Because I was, I was the last. I was the only one with my father who. I mean, let's just put it this way: I was clearly not intended. <laughs> my dad was sixty-two, and she was forty. Okay. Nobody's thinking it's gonna. <laughs> Thank you. Gonna happen at that point, I'm sure. Wow. Okay. Um. And plus, once you're on your own as a parent, you're just trying to keep your head above water and mm-hmm. make money and support everything. Right. You know. So in a lot of ways, my sisters did a lot of the day-to-day raising. <laughs> you know, they're all a, a decade or more older than I am. They were teenagers, basically, when they all came to this country 
um, I'm, I'm interested to, to understand how that like affects like your the way you view that you know uh, that changes your family dynamic and that you don't see your parents as parents anymore you see your sisters or your siblings as parents that's changes yeah well know? I mean I think because of the age difference like I there was always like a parental or caregiving aspect to my relationship with my sisters which um, for the the two that I still have a relationship with one is estranged from the family sadly Oh, okay. um, the two that I still have a relationship with, it's much more like a sibling relationship now than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. But that's only because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm receiving the AARP magazine in the mail now. So, uh, <laughs> that time. Yeah. It's about time, right? <laughs> it's like you, you, you've settled. <laughs> yeah. You've grown up. But even in some bit. ways, that dynamic still exists. Mm -hmm. on, on, on certain levels. Like when we're together, you know, my one older sister is still very much an alpha yeah. type of personality, you know, no matter how old we all get. Let's see, get back to what you're saying. Like, so my sister has kind of had it a bit harder because, especially my oldest sister, so she, my, my mom basically forced her into pharmacy school and, she did that. Forced into pharmacy school. Essentially, you yeah. know what I mean? You know, and yeah. So is it overt pressure or an understood pressure? Because I think that that's part of like the Korean experience is like, yeah. it's just understood. I, guess, I think it's like, I think it was more overt for her, mm -hmm. for sure. And it just got a little, progressively a little bit, a little bit less. When it came, by, by the time it came to me, I think my siblings were even rallying for me would be like listen just like let him do what he wants you know don't like oh so you but, had some um, some support mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I went to music school and did that and so like but to go back to what you were just saying about like the what do you overt pressure versus implied or, yeah, or implied just, just you know you just know <laughs> I, I, I feel that as far as like expectations mm -hmm. you know but yeah, we come from a long line of musicians. Apparently, my dad's dad, who ran away from his family, was like a really great singer and a drummer, percussionist, apparently. Um, and he ran away because of that. So, really? And, you know, because it's North Korea, like, no record. Like, you can't find the records or, like, ever find, like, find out where he, he was or if he started a new family or anything. Right. And, um, yeah, all my, all my, my brothers dabble. It's, very, it's a very artistic sort of family. The garage, I had a full drum set and PA amps set up all the time. And it was great. I just, I just got to mess around with stuff, you know. My sisters all, you know, they they took piano lessons and stuff, but <laughs> you know, as is as is required. <laughs> but um, so my mom was a um, psychiatrist. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. And so in one form or another, I think for their bachelor's degrees, all of my sisters majored in psychology. And if I can just say, as an aside. Four eggs. That's a powerful oh, statement yeah. of your confidence with your cholesterol level. <laughs> well, and your desire for good protein sources. Scott Weiland said in an interview, it's like when you when you put down the uh, when you put down the heroin spoon, you pick up the fork. <laughs> um, wise words. Mm -hmm. But like, like I also. You know, I'm not trying to show off, but like I, I gym six days a week. You're, you, you appear to be very healthy. <laughs> well, I um. Well, you said that was funny. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, it's meant as a comment. Um, <laughs> What's really worked and it's been easy, great results is just intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. My sister does that. Um, on for a year, over it a year. works. It works for her. Yeah. I think I some. I don't do that as an intentional thing, but I think I do it unintentionally a lot because sometimes my work day is just such that I only eat so many calories in a day, 
and it's far below what a normal intake would be. When's your first meal? I mean, whenever I get up. Okay. You know, normally, I can't eat a lot when I first get up, so the first thing I have most days is like a smoothie, which is basically like a banana and blueberries and oat milk and some grapes. Okay. And it works for me. Gets me up and going. No drinking either. How long have you been not drinking for? No. I've never been a drinker. I was a... Uh, How do you avoid that in this straight-edge punk rock kid? Because, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like... Some people with Asian genetics, you get like one drink in you, and it's like you turn bright red, you're all blotchy. It happened to me, yeah. Um, so I've always kind of viewed it like, well, that's kind of an, I'm kind of allergic in a way, you know, like it just like immediately affects me. I don't particularly like the sensation of being intoxicated. Um, and there's also always been this um, sort of contrarian thing about me. It's like, well, if my peers are all drinking, then I'm going to do the opposite because I'm against everybody. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, especially when I was like in high school. You know, it's kind of that reaction to like, you know, well, you're not a popular kid or whatever, and so like whatever they're doing, yeah, I will I do see. the opposite. I will be, I you know, if they like Huey Lewis in the news, I will like the Ramones, and I will say fuck you to all you people. Sure, yeah. It'll be a very punk rock thing. And then Straight Edge came along. I mean, after there was no term for that when I when I was actively. <laughs> not drinking or whatever but you know it was just sort of it just kind of became part of how I operated I was playing in bars at a pretty young age like I think my first bar gig was when I was like 17 or 18 and you just kind of like you know if someone is shit-faced I would look at that and be like yeah, that's not how I want to be. What about the other side of it? Has there ever looked attractive to you as far as, like, you know, watching some of your heroes, the, the rock and roll lifestyle, that kind of thing? I love how smoking cigarettes looks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's not even necessarily, like, from rock and roll. That's from, like, movies and black and white movies. Yeah. <laughs> Robert you know. De Niro, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I like the I like the underhanded this guy, you know. Call oh. <laughs> <Palm> him up. <laughs> um I remember uh this is, so, this is so dumb. I remember my sister bought the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack when I was a little kid. And on the back, there's like a collage of different pictures, stills from the movie. And there's this one picture of John Travolta with a cigarette dangling from his mouth that looks like it's barely attached to his lip. It's like the absolute tip of the filter just like hanging off. And for whatever reason, I thought that was like the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> Well, good of you to make those choices, man, because it's probably, like, saved your voice and kept it as good as it is today. Like, I think that that may be true, you know? I mean, and that was... Not that I ever had, like, this, you know, long-term, like, oh, I want to still be able to sing when I'm 55 or whatever, you know what I mean? But I think it has had that net effect. I mean, look, I've had my share of vocal problems in my life and I think more than anything right now it's the fact that I'm not doing 200 shows a year so if I can if I just go out once a week even you know you can maintain that <laughs> sure I mean so how do you like because I've always wondered about how bands on tour deal with it because I look at schedules now and I'm always thinking of the singer it's like I, I sometimes it's like two in a row day off three in a row day off like how do you when I was in the call fields and we were hardcore touring behind our albums there would sometimes be five on one off oh. but you guys are so I mean you're younger then too but still you're younger but that's also a problem because you're not as disciplined so you're like 
screaming at every show. Talking, and, yeah. Not really thinking about the consequences of like that one gut-wrenching scream that you want to do to get the crowd going ape shit or whatever. And you're hanging out after the show, talking loudly to people. You're, I mean, even though I didn't drink or smoke, I'm around it. So there's cigarette smoke inhaled. <laughs> Probably not sleeping great. Not sleeping great. I would have to argue with my bandmates. I'm like, I need to sleep. If I don't sleep, there's no fucking show tomorrow <laughs> because I won't even be able to talk. Constant jostling for the bench. Uh-huh. And um, thank you. You know, because they, they would have liked their rest too. I'm good, thank you. Right, I can't get a top off because it ruins the precise I, yeah. uh, I was <laughs> wondering how you're going to deal with that. Mm-mm. But I'm good for one cup anyway. That's that's all I need. But yeah, man, like those so days were so. I look back on them with a lot more romance than when I was in it, because when I'm in it, it's literally a struggle, a daily struggle for survival. Because if. If I'm on day two and I'm already hoarse and I know I've got four more shows in a row, it becomes this almost paranoid thing where you're living in a constant state of fear. Am I going to be able to sing tonight? I remember one time, this was so ridiculous, we had done numerous shows in a row and and we were in L.A. and we had to do a... uh, basically like a show that we knew everybody from A&M was going to be at. Oh, cool. And wow, my voice was for shit that day. Yeah. And my guy from the label actually was like, all right, we can't take any chances. I'm taking you to see Dr. I can't remember the guy's name. But he's oh, like, I know the, how this is going to go. Keep going. <laughs> got, I got, got the jab. Yeah. Um, he's like, this guy's great. He's, he was he was Ronald Reagan's personal doctor. I'm like, okay. Wow. I guess keeping presidents uh, <laughs> able to sing. <laughs> I mean, sounds shady. I'm not going to say I ever abused them, but it did put the idea that taking steroids, mm-hmm. prednisone, mm-hmm. Um, could help you out in a pinch. <laughs> You record most of your stuff by yourself, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you like that as opposed to having a band come in and do it? Yes what and no. your thoughts? Well, I always tell people the best thing about bands is also the worst thing about mm. bands. It's people. <laughs> you know? I love, I love the fact that you would, if you put something out, that there'd be other people like, promoting it with you. You have a team and when stuff happens, it's right. like you can celebrate that together. But then it's also just the, the little shit that rubs me, rubs against me. That's just like, all right, we're having band practice today. You don't hear back from the one person or something, you know? Or, you know, there's you, you get a t-shirt design. It's like, ah, oh, three people are excited about it, but then one's probably not. It's just like, it just takes longer to get things done with people. But at the now, same- I assume, <laughs> I don't want to assume, when you were in your first band, mm-hmm. was Stone Throne your first band, or did you have something before that? I've had bands before that, but Stone Throne was like the first serious okay. group. Was that a democracy? Um, it was supposed to be. <laughs> but? I think, I think it was like heavily, it was like, all right, I felt like I was we were sort of the UN, but I might have been like the United States of America. But, but Throwing also, your weight around in the UN. Okay. <laughs> kind of, but like, but, but, but then like, you know, my brother would also be like, well, that's stupid, so let's not do it. Like, he, he would, you know, whatever. What did what you like being be. in a band with your brother? Did that have its own complications sure. and but yeah. satisfying elements? Well? all that stuff, mm. you know, very, very... Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, it, it's, it's, it was cool because I can, I can probably talk poorly about it, but also there are things that I didn't necessarily like that were good because my brother could be honest with me. If he didn't like a song, you'd tell me. 
And I think that's how important. And that's it's sort of wasn't rare. full of yes men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that that was cool. Um, but then you know he 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 was he was sort of wired differently. He was more people person. I was more introverted. That kind of thing. And, and all that comes with that it can be like he might be less reliable for things sometimes. But he's also you know doing great at the shows or whatever. And, um, I might play great at the shows, but I might might not be the most social person. I might get drunk and say some crazy stuff to people like you. You know what I mean? So there was. Were you a that shy kid? Were you a shy kid? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 Is that in part why you kind of wanted to do music as a way to sure broaden your... Going off of what you were kind of saying about like being a contrarian and things, uh -huh. I, I felt because I, like, I grew up in, in a white suburb, so I felt like... <clears throat> I guess I felt different and sort of looked at as different and made fun of like early on and it's just I guess I tried to you know like alright well I'm not going to play sports so I'll do this it's be my thing because you just didn't want to be around a certain group of people in the sports realm kind of mm -hmm. I mean I, and, and also just because I, I fell in love with it too and I was like not only do I love this but it's like alright now this is my way of being me yeah you know? I love that yeah. 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 did you encounter I mean you implied as you said as much a second ago but was there a lot of racism growing up? Uh, yeah, my earliest memories were racism on the bus. Mm. Yeah, it's never fun. No, it's... <laughs> and you know what it's like, right? Oh, I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like... This is really nice to have this conversation, John. I mean, I'll ask you flat out. Were, were there any other kids that looked like you growing up? Was there like a fair number of Korean people in your community or a in handful. your life? The, a handful. Yeah. I very much felt like an island uh, in those formative years, you know, like um, I would say from like elementary school through the end of middle school. Um, I know my mother had like one like family friend or a, a family who was Korean that lived in our hometown and um, but their kids were like four or five years older than I was so it wasn't like I had any you know kindred spirits or allies or anything so it was, it felt very much like I was on my own. Yeah. Plus I was, I was mixed also. So I kind of didn't feel like I uh, belonged anywhere. Like I wasn't specifically embraced by Korean people. Because <laughs> they want you to be more Korean. Right. <laughs> and on the opposite of that, you know, it's like... You don't look I mean, like I, us. I, still, I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be very frank. So I, <clears throat> I did a show the other night, and, um, and the person who said this is a friend and, and didn't mean anything by it. But he's not close enough of a friend to know that I'm actually half Irish. So I have this tattoo that's like a yin and yang symbol and it's got, um, you know, shamrocks where the circles would be. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, how is it that uh, you get to be Irish? Was the question. <laughs> this happened 48 hours ago. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Oh, geez. So I, I thought I, I laughed at the time in part because I was like, how would younger John have reacted to this? <laughs> and I was like, well, I get to be Irish because my dad was Irish and he impregnated my mom with me. <laughs> Sorry if I didn't fill out the paperwork. 
Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, even stuff that's like, not even like malicious, still happens. Yeah. You know? But, don't you, but it's like, I find myself, as you, I think you sort of did, it's like, you make excuses for people almost. Right. Oh, well, I was like, oh, he was a friend, and he didn't mean anything. Yeah, I totally do that. Yeah, I totally do that. But and like, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Do that so much. I do account for context, and I do account for. It's important. Um, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, you can't say it was a different time or whatever. But like, unless you were like around in that different time to really know how things were, I don't think you can say that. You know what I mean? Like. Look, if that's all people know, how are they supposed to instinctively know, oh, it's wrong? Mm-hmm. You don't. You have to be educated in some way. Yeah. Not to mention, when a lot of stuff that happened when I was younger is because they were kids. People are kids dumb. Are assholes. Kids are dumb and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, that's totally true also. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know, maybe that's my way of becoming more uh, <laughs> understanding in my old age. Or, sure. You know. My favorite is the positive racism. And it's like the, I was at this checkout line a few years ago and this lady was just like, so what are you? And what are so, you? You know what I mean? Like you get, and then like, you know what she means and you're right. just like, what do you mean? So anyway, she's, so we got down to the fact that I was Korean. It's like, oh, I love Korean stuff. Right. Oh, I just love kimchi. Yeah. You're like, she was, I think there was, there was something wrong with her. And that's the excuse I'm going to make for her. I think there was something, because she was going off like compulsively. Like, I love Korean stuff. Like, I have a, like, a Korean phone. Like, my daughter's dating a Korean like, person. Like, yeah. you know, we love Samsung. And I'm just like, can you please just check <laughs> me out? So like, Samsung. Something like that. It was, it was just like, it was so weird. I'm like, that is fucking great. Oh, man. Yeah. Well... Those are those types of situations. Like, I just laugh at now because I take a very absurdist view of the world. And if I look at anything now, I just see it as like ridiculous. And okay, that's just what it is. And you try to move on from it. Um, I remember, like, when I was a kid, it was, like, the first year, and I don't know if it ever happened since, but Miss Universe was uh, in Seoul. They had Miss Universe. And so they've got this opening number where, like, all these contestants are coming out in their Han Bulk outfits or whatever. Han Bulk, yeah. Well, they're expensive, by the way. Oh, yeah, not cheap. <laughs> and, um, and they're singing this ridiculous song, you know, like, you know, they've got the fans, and then they're like, they have a dish called kimchi that oh will make God. you shed a tear. What? <laughs> and I was, and even at that age, I'm like, this is fucked up. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gotten this, and you very well may have, because your voice is incredible. Thank you. And um, I think you did a story or a post not too long ago about that Travis record turning 30 or whatever it was. I hear that guy's voice. Fran Healy. No one's ever said that, so I'm so happy. No, man. Like... And he's a great singer. I love Frank. And to be honest with you, and I think you also said people don't realize how influential this band was on bands on down the line, Coldplay being one of them. I also despise Coldplay. But Fran Healy is the fucking man. Those first couple Travis records are just so good. The later ones are good, too. Yeah. This is a problem with me. Like, I fall off of bands that I actively love for no reason. Like, I could have loved somebody's last record, and then it's five years later, and they have, like, two other records out. I'm like, oh, they have more stuff out? Like, oh, I didn't know. But, um, yeah, like, stuff like uh, like Driftwood. It's one of my favorite songs by them. That's just like, yeah. Anyway, back to my original point. Has, any, has anyone ever said to you, Oh. Wow, you don't really look like you could sing like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. The last time it happened was at like a grocery store gig. It was like a Wegmans thing. That we did. Really? I worked at an agency that like just booked booked me at like Wegmans, and uh, she, I was sound checking. She's like, "Wow, yeah, it really looks like you can't." I mean, I'm hearing the voice, but I don't understand. I look. That's supposed to mean. I don't understand. <laughs> like, all your R's are being properly uh, yeah, announced. Yeah, yeah. I don't get how that's possible. Could you explain? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, Yeah, pretty funny. That, but you know what? I, I, it was funny. Like, July 4th, I was asked to do, like, the Wawa Welcome America thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking at like the the band schedules, and it's it had the, every band that was on that stage listed by like the name and then like the genre. So it was like this band, country, this one, rock, this one, and under my, next to mine, it said Asian. <laughs> Did they expect me to come out in like a hanbok and like? <clears throat> and uh, was your first guitar riff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, oh my god! Uh, but it was—I mean, <laughs> as far as coping, I mean, my band thought it was how ridiculous it was too. So it was nice to have that. It's like a, you, know. you know, I mean, they're part of it. Yeah. You know, they're Asian for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and, I, and my feelings are complicated on it because when you're in it, you're like, what? Like what? Really? And, and you, I get, I get, I get angry about it. But then, like, when after like having talked about it and putting it in perspective, it's just I always say it's not really a big deal at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, plus it's it's not about you in the first place. You know, it's about how they're trying to process what is in right. front of them and they and it's blowing their mind because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But if people see a person like yourself or somebody like me getting up and doing what we do enough times it becomes quote unquote normal to mm-hmm. you know, so that's 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 the best way to combat it is to just go and fucking blow their minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's kind of the only way to do it. And, and you know, I, like, see it as a strength now, too, or something that can set us apart is, is that, you know, it's just being, okay, that's what makes us a little different. You know, and that's cool. What are your feelings on the recent sort of... Uh, elevation of Korean culture, art, entertainment. How are you reacting to that? Seeing kimchi in grocery stores now? Is that what you mean? Like that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, you mean like, or, what do you mean? like or, BTS? Or Squid Game? Like, or uh, all of it. How do you feel about it? I mean, or do you have... I do have feelings about it. And it's, it's always like... I don't know. Now it's like inside. It's just like okay. Now it's okay because like now it's cool. Right. Digesting. You know. I have I have very similar feelings. Like the. uh, I'm paraphrasing, but like the the very first line in the forward of my book is something to the effect of like you know where the fuck was K-pop when I needed it or. Um, but on the other hand, it's, I can only hope that it's just part of like a growth in acceptance and understanding and not just like flavor of the month. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or at least I hope that that month extends long enough for me to cash in on it. Yeah, that it can right? go away. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess it's it's like you know, you, I guess it's, it makes things easier for future generations too. If it's yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Part of society, and then, and then, but but also at the same time, it's like I, I don't. I always feel like I don't fit in still in some way because 
you know, I'm still doing rock music, and it's not like right. Squid Games isn't that. BTS is certainly not that. You know, right. Like, it's like, well, the, then you have to be that. <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the cross you bear. <laughs> and I see. You have to be that. We're all just on our own little mission to be. You know that. I want to thank Judah Kim for a really wonderful and honest and enjoyable conversation. He's doing great things as an artist, and you should check him out. He's on all the streaming platforms, and you can follow him on Instagram at Judah Kim Music. And um, while you're at it, if you don't already. Give some love to all the Kims in your life and follow me on Instagram at John Kim Fay. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Thanks again for joining me today and come hang out again next time for another episode of Talking at the Diner. Everything is on the table when we're talking at the diner. Talking